0: good Monday afternoon to you. Welcome on in to the Amron Illinois lunch show with Claybs and Joe here on klavesonline.com. I'm Joe Roderick joined alongside by Mike Claiborne. Klaves, uh took last week off. You and I both had a lot of other non-sports related stuff going on. So uh, an awful lot to catch up to uh, in this week's uh, show including everything that went on over the, uh, the weekend. But first off how you feeling?
1: Uh, feeling better. You know this is a it's a daily re- recovery uh, for those who don't know I had to have a hip replacement and uh, uh, I guess it went okay. I'm you know I'm, I'm on a on a walker and we'll be on that for a little bit, but uh, yeah, you know, um, i'm I'm gradually getting myself back and I'll certainly be ready for spring training.
0: I would I, I mentioned this to to Howard uh, Richards two weeks ago. I was gonna say because your your surgery was on Tuesday. My race, my my half Ironman was on Sunday. I was wondering which one of us was in better shape come uh, Tuesday.
1: Well, the meds start to wear off on me on Sunday, so you were probably in better shape than me because yeah. uh, it's, they, they gave you that good stuff, man. You know, you don't feel anything, and then once it starts to wear off, uh, you, you definitely notice that you you've had something done to your body. Absolutely. Yeah. That's
0: uh that pump that they the my that my two knee surgeries, that pump that they put in you for that first uh, those first few days, whoo, that's good stuff. And then yeah, it's uh <laughs> it wakes you up real quick when they take that out. So, uh, you know, we, we hear all about surgeries and stuff at the end of the uh, end of the year and they, you know, the big – at the end of Major League Baseball season. So you had surgery before the uh, the season was over. Where does this put you on track for spring training? I know a lot of people oh, I, are going to be wondering about that. I'll be
1: ready to go. Uh, listen, right. I'll be ready to go by – I'd probably say mid-November. Okay. Uh, you know, I mean, they say anywhere from six to eight weeks. You know, I'm thinking I'm going to be, be ready to go by five. But, you know, here's the thing. I'm not going to be part of Dancing with the Stars. I'm not going to be giving uh, gym gymnastics classes or doing jumping jacks or any of that sort of stuff. So you know, I'm going to be all right. St. Louis Dancing with the Stars? That would
0: be uh, no. That's not going to happen. So that, it, I'm just trying. I'm trying to think who would be in that first
1: group. Of, well, it won't be uh, anybody from the media. That's for sure.
0: Oh no, uh, your kid, uh, all kinds of those media people would be. They they'd be huge whores to get into that. They wouldn't uh, be good at it. No, we're not saying they're uh, going to be good at it. They're, I'm yeah. saying they're going to want to get into it. No, that's all right.
1: <laughs> let's, let's, let's keep it moving. Let's not get off track.
0: Hey, uh, this weekend, though, we did see the end of the Cardinal season. Um, I, I, we'll get into all the Wainwright stuff, but how quickly, or I guess compared to another season, like how quickly is this one just going to be erased from your memory? Where would you compare this to a past season where you were just like, all right, First day of the offseason, it's over, it's done with, you know, let's not have to deal with that again.
1: Oh, I've closed the book on this one. I mean, there's there's nothing to look back and, and just really feel good about. I mean, other than, <clears throat> you know, you look at what the potential that Walker Win showed and uh, things of that nature. They, there really wasn't much to holler about. I mean, you know, even the Waino thing, you know, he, he got to 200 wins, but that was excruciating. I mean, you know, Miles Michael is trying to get 200 innings. and You think about all the games that were, were lost uh, along the way. So there, there weren't a lot of good things to hang your hat on. So I've already turned the page and looking forward to how this team is going to be better next year. And I think one of the issues you have to take into account is looking at players that you currently have, you have to find players that are better than what we've seen. And we let's start with pitching. You know, pitching, uh, you know, we obviously know we need more starting pitching, but how do you get that? And, and the question is, well, you can trade for it. You can sign free agents and go that route, or you can develop somebody from within. Well, I think we've seen everybody from within who's major league ready or close to being ready. So let's look at free agency, free agency. There, there isn't a, a great deal of players out there that really fits the bill. Uh, I know everybody is excited about Nola, but why would Nola leave Philadelphia to go to St. Louis? Uh, you know, they hit more home runs in Philadelphia and he gives up more home runs, but you know, I'm concerned about a guy like that who throws 200 plus innings every year, and he hasn't been as sharp down the stretch. Uh, so you have uh, Zach, you have a guy in San Diego, uh Ian Blake, S- Snell. Blake Snell. Blake Snell. He may end up in Seattle before he comes back this way. But with any of these guys we're talking about, the question is, if you're a, if you're a free agent, you're going. The first question I'm going to ask is, who's in the bullpen? Because why am I going to come to St. Louis and throw six and third or seven innings only to turn it over to an inconsistent bullpen? So the the thing the Cardinals have to do right off the bat is make a statement and say, we're going to load up in the bullpen. Because if we load up in the bullpen, our starting pitching all of a sudden looks a little better. So, you know, you look at who is out there from a free agency standpoint, from a bullpen standpoint, they can help you. So that's the first thing. Second thing is, Let me stop you. Let me stop you real quick on the bullpen um, standpoint,
0: because I'm just and and I agree. Yeah, they they need better arms in the bullpen. You know what's in the organization better than I do. Triple A, double A. And then we've seen in recent years, guys have made the jump from a ball to the big leagues in the offseason. Jordan Hicks being one of those guys. Is there a pitcher, or there is there, are there two or three pitchers in the organization that we did not see with the Cardinals this year in St. Louis that you could see making an impact on the uh, on the bullpen next year?
1: You know, I think Grisafeo is the guy that everyone seems to feel like he could be an impact guy uh, from in the bullpen. Uh, McGreevy is a guy who's a former first round pick who, you know, everybody thought he was ready to turn the corner. It really didn't pan out that way. So maybe he gets a fresh start. Uh, But other than that, I don't think anybody else is ready. Now, you know, the outside guy would be a guy like Tink Hintz. But Tink Hintz just barely got to double A this year. So I don't know if he was that dominant to say he can skip the minor leagues. The Cardinals haven't done that a great deal. You mentioned Jordan Hicks. Well, other than that, they just don't do that a great deal. So there there are a lot of situations, I think, within the organization that tells you they don't have anybody ready. Mm. They don't have anybody ready to make a contribution at this level. And I think that's a big concern that they have to really come to grips with. So then you have to go out and look outside the organization. As I just mentioned, maybe the trade, maybe look to the far east because there apparently are some players over there that might pique the interest. But again, I think the thing that, Joe, that they have to check on more than anything else is how do we sell ourselves to a potential free agent? Mm -hmm. What do we have to offer that's going to make a free agent come to St. Louis? I mean, everybody has money, Okay. So let's take that off the table. Everybody has money, and every, there's going to be one team that's going to be willing to give you one more year than somebody else. Yeah. So what else do you have to offer that's going to make a team scratch – a player scratch his head and say, hmm, this might be an interesting place to play? The
0: uh, One of the big things over the weekend in the um, that, that came from uh, the end of the season interviews while we're on the topic, we, we might as well address it, Ali Marmol, one of the comments that he made – after the game yesterday, I want a clubhouse full of guys who have one thing on their mind, and that's not themselves. It's winning a championship. So you start out by weeding those out. That's a uh, that's a pretty big statement to uh, to make, and then immediately starts to get you kind of looking around the clubhouse and wondering who
1: who's he talking about. Well, that's a good question. I think there's about four or five guys that we probably won't see here next year that have been written in the lineup on a regular basis. And you'll also in the see lineup. Some so you are saying in, no, the, and, in the and there's some pitchers as okay. well. Okay. Okay. So it is I think you're gonna see at least four players that won't be back. Uh that it's a combination of pitching and also uh guys who play in the field. And I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and
0: ask you to name names or anything like that. I okay. know so you wouldn't anyway uh, for that. I, I just, think it's
1: pretty simple, though. Yeah. I, I don't think you have to be, uh, you know, an insider in order to pay attention to who isn't what I would deem cardinal material as far as getting you to the next level. At, uh, yeah, I, I would think that, yeah, if you've
0: been paying attention the last couple of years, years uh, under Ali Marmol's reign, I think, yeah, those are pretty, pretty obvious uh, ones to see um how how soon do you think
1: into the offseason moves like that start to be made I don't think they're going to waste any time with this uh you know the Cardinals in the past have tried to see how the market was going to be set I don't think they had that kind of time this year because there there aren't that many good players out there that are going to be free agents now there may be some teams that may be looking to do some dealing I think this year's general managers meetings that take place before the winter meetings might be more intriguing than what they've been in the past uh, because you know this isn't a situation where the cardinals are wondering what uh, what do we need? Oh you know what you need. John yeah. Mozeliak has said that what two two months ago mm-hmm. what they need. So this is this is going to be anything that's going to confuse anybody on the direction of the cardinals.
0: The uh the cardinals yesterday they wrap up their season they win they finished 71 and 91 uh, 20 games under 500 but yesterday and this weekend was all about Adam Wainwright who ended his uh MLB career, his Cardinal career, uh, with a with a whole weekend of festivities all around celebrating Adam Wainwrights had a uh, had a concert one night. All the giveaways were uh, around Adam Wainwright. But yesterday, for the second year in a row, Game One Sixty Two starts off with a ceremony honoring a great Cardinal in number fifty. Um, I mean, we say this all the time. But Cardinals do things the right way when it comes to these uh, ceremonies, bringing everybody out. Uh, you weren't able to be there as you are home recovering, but I imagine you uh, you watched the uh, the ceremony and everything that was done with uh, with that. What are your thoughts on what you saw yesterday celebrating Adam Wainwright?
1: Well, I think Bob Ramsey said it best. If you want, if you need a wedding planner or an event planner, you call the Cardinals. Uh, they do it right. Uh, I don't think they missed anything yesterday. Uh, you know, it was Adam's day and, you know, the whole weekend was Adam's weekend. And I don't think you could have scripted it any differently uh, because we won't see this for a while. Uh, I, you know, I mean, Nolan Aronado and Paul Goldschmidt are the next two senior guys on the team. And is a little older than, than Aronado, But we we haven't had Goldie as long as we had Adam. And, you know, especially, you know, Adam being part of championship teams. But with that said, uh, yeah, I thought it went well. I was happy for him. Uh, I'm happy that it's over more than anything else because it has started to kind of wear on people with everything that was going on and trying to get him. Hey, he got the 200 wins. Hey, let's see if we can get him a hit before it's over with. And, you know, the concert. I mean, you know, there are a lot of things all at him. And you know what? Rightfully so. I mean, the guy was deserving of everything he got over the weekend because of what he's meant to this organization. The uh did you know Bill DeWitt the third could paint like that? I knew he was into art. Uh he designed the last couple of World Series rings. I knew that was one of his fortes when he was at Yale. So uh I was not surprised. I didn't know he was doing that, doing it that much. And I, I I'm anxious to ask him how long did it take? Because that's not something that you just you know throw up on a on a canvas and you have it done by the end of the week. Uh right. there, there had to be some time they really it took for him to do it. Um, but it was nice. It was a very thoughtful gesture. It was something obviously when, you know, uh, someone of his capacity can come up with something like
0: that. I thought it was a really neat gesture. Yeah. And they were able also to bring back Yachty and Albert yesterday. They were able to uh, honor Adam and and Yachty for what they uh, the feat that they accomplished last year, too, and uh, a few other gifts uh, along the way for, uh, for Adam Wainwright. He wasn't the only one that, uh, that was celebrated all weekend. Did you uh, happen to catch any of the, uh, the stuff that went on in Detroit with Miguel Cabrera over I the, uh, over the yeah. weekend that sure. too, um, you know, you mentioned the Cardinals being great event planners. It seems like they have ceremonies like this all the time. The Tigers don't. And uh, it really, uh, it really felt like they did a great job um with that, having his kids announce him coming to bat for the final time, um, having his parents throw out the first pitch to him over the weekend, I thought that was pretty cool. I don't think I've ever seen anything like that, but I thought the Tigers did a send off for Miguel Cabrera really well too.
1: Yeah, it was it was good. I'm you know I'm glad everything ended on a positive note for everyone. Uh, Cabrera, I remember when he first broke in with with the uh, Miami Marlins, and I remember Albert telling me one day. He said, "This guy's going to be as good as anybody we've ever seen in baseball." Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, when you look at his his body of work, being a triple crown guy and everything else that comes with it, uh, he certainly checked off a lot of boxes.
0: Yeah, it was a. Uh, and then I, I believe what Joe or Zach Grinky um,
1: has he announced his retirement yet, or is he... he? He has not, but I would assume that this is it. Uh, yeah. He did not have what you would call a stellar season, and it, there's a guy's going in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. You know, you look at his numbers and look what he's been able to do. So, you know, and I'm glad the guys are being honored and recognized. Uh, You know, the the, the questionable one is Joy Votto and how things ended for him yesterday was unfortunate. You know, I think Votto still has something to offer. I don't know if it's going to be worth $24 million. Uh, But overall, you know, the good players who we saw play their last game, you know, I'm glad it worked out for him. Brandon Brandon Crawford, and then there's some other yeah. players. There's some other players uh they may not have the ability to make a decision on that being their last game they just aren't very good anymore <laughs> Yeah. Uh, hey, let's get in. We will get
0: into the MLB playoffs uh, here in just a bit. Uh, before we do that, though, I want to remind you, this is the Ameren, Illinois lunch show. Klaibs, two weeks ago, this was after the last show that we uh, that we did together. Um, well, when 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 I went and climbed the poles over there at uh, out in Maryville for the Ameren, Illinois folks, um, they were telling me all about the lineman rodeo that is coming up in October. It just so happened that, claves I mean, it was a three-minute drive from my house where they were practicing two weeks ago, and they uh, they invited me out there to come see it, not participate. They did not have me go anywhere near that. I stayed outside of the ropes the whole time, but watching the guys go up and down and some of the stuff they were doing, uh, one of the things they did, Claves, is they have a a 180 pound mannequin up there on the lines. And one of the drills is to see how fast you can get this guy down as if he was electrocuted, there was some sort of issue and he's just hanging up there on the on the pole and they have to run up there, they have to secure him and bring him down safely, watching that and uh, also how quickly they could go up and down the pole with an egg in their mouth. They put a full egg in their mouth to climb up and down to you know, stay in control of, uh, and kind of or I guess, see how they did that. Uh, but yeah, the folks out there, it is uh, going to be October 13th and 14th out in Overland Park, Kansas, the lineman rodeo, the folks out at Ameren, um, at Illinois competing against other linesmen throughout the country. It was a uh, pretty cool thing to go out there and see. Well, let hey, me this ask is you something, let yeah.
1: me ask you, you know, that's, it, it sounds like a pretty neat event, uh, and because, you know, obviously it's a skill that comes with it overland park kansas yeah i mean don't you take that thing to vegas somewhere where you know guys can truly be rewarded for an incredible week of uh competition
0: i i don't know i mean it's the extreme heat of climbing up the poles in there or maybe they could put it in the sphere you can put that event in the new sphere out
1: there in yeah. vegas i mean i mean god bless overland park but i, I think that, <laughs> i mean didn't didn't they see the ncaa used to be there they even Got up and left Overland Park, Kansas. So I don't know what they have going. Maybe they, they have some extra poles out there or something, but that's what I would uh, imagine. Good we'll luck to, to the Brian. local yeah. guys on that.
0: We'll talk to Brian and figure out if they could get that move to Vegas. Hey, this is the Ameren, Illinois Lunch Show, uh, also powered by Graybar, driven by Munganas St. Louis Acura, and we will be back in 30 seconds. Munganas St. Louis Acura has a great selection of new and certified pre-owned Acuras. Get 3.9% financing for up to 36 months in all new Acura models, or get $1,000 in loyalty incentives on the 2023 TLX and RDX and $750 in loyalty incentives on the 2024 Integra. Get financing as low as 1.99% for up to 36 months on certified pre-owned TLX and MDX models. Mungan St. Louis Acura, better than ever for you. So, Klebs, we have the uh, we have the playoff set. Wild card round begins tomorrow, as the uh, the four series will get underway, starting at two o'clock with the Rangers and Rays. You also have the Blue Jays and Twins, Diamondbacks and Brewers, Marlins and Phillies. That is your first round of playoff matchups in Major League Baseball. Is there a series in particular that you are really looking forward to this uh, these those three days?
1: You know, I would say Rangers and Rays, but because both teams have been hurt with their pitching, I just don't know what to expect. Uh, the one team that I think everybody should be careful of is Philadelphia uh, because they've been there before, although this year they got in with a little room to spare. But here's M- Miami. Here's a team that we all kind of watched from a distance and thought they had what it took to get in. Well, now they're in. Uh, they could be fun to watch. You know, really, I think, Joe, this year, postseason, I don't think anybody can win this thing. I really do. And the reason why I say that is because as good as the Dodgers and the Braves are, and you look at what Baltimore's done this season, that time off, man, could be a bugaboo. That time off could be the kiss of death which means that, you know, these teams that are continuing to play, if they keep their pitching healthy and really monitor themselves, they can find themselves uh, creating an upset somewhere along the way. So I, I really think this thing is wide open.
0: Yeah, the uh, the one I look at, and uh, that it's funny you mention that because uh, the Braves are actually going to be holding simulated games this week. They don't want to fall in to uh, what they felt like last year. They they kind of you know messed up on and not being ready for it. So the Braves this week are holding simulated games. They're going to open up Truist Park. They're opening it up and letting anybody come in for free to come watch them play uh, simulated games. That's pretty. Uh, I'm going to guess they're going to have the concession stands open and make a little bit of money. During, oh, a, saying, no. <laughs> yeah. during those, but it, it's pretty cool that they not only realized something that they did wrong last year, but also they're going to go kind of above and beyond and allow the fans to be in on that uh this week. I haven't seen all the pitching matchups out just yet uh with, uh with this, but the one, that, if I had to pick a series for this pitching wise, I wonder where the Diamondbacks are kind of set up on pitching. I know they don't have Zach Gallen or Merrill Kelly going game one for them, but that's that's one, even if they lose game one, they can come back and they can win it with those two in games two and games three, even though Brewers have really good pitching too. But I mean, pitching is so, so important. And when you have a an ace in your uh, on your team that can go like that, I, I think the Diamondbacks might be able to steal a wild card round.
1: Well, the Diamondbacks offensively are better than Milwaukee. So there's a plus for them right there. Uh, Milwaukee's pitching is better, though. Um, You know, I think who they run out there is better than what the Diamondbacks are going to run out. So the key is if the Diamondbacks can score early and get something on the board, then they have a shot. If Milwaukee scores early and they turn it over to the bullpen, then this thing could be over in two. Uh, It's just that simple. But, you know, Milwaukee offensively, they don't have anybody in that lineup that scares me right now. No. Uh, you know, they, they really have to work hard at scoring runs. And they have a lot of guys who've never been there before. So uh, it's one of those series that we kind of forget about. But I think overall, it could prove to be quite in- interesting with regard to how these teams are able to score runs and how well they pitch. Uh, the twins coming in this, they have the worst record, but they are going
0: to be hosting the uh, the Blue Jays for this three-game series. That's the only one of these series where that's the case, where the uh, the team with the worst record is the home team for all three of these games. Is uh, that series, is that about the most equal one that you you kind of look at too? Um, yeah. Or, or do you say Rangers-Rays more more so?
1: I, I think the twins' pitching is a little better than, than uh, Toronto. Yeah. Um, you know, when you think about Sonny Gray and and Lopez, uh, they've got some guys at the front end of their rotation that could really, really shut you down. Their bullpen has been okay. Their offense has had a problem scoring as well. But, you know, here's the thing in this first round, man, you you just have to be hot for a day. I mean, it's not a seven-game series. It's the best of three. And if you can go out and do something early, uh, who knows what can happen? So, you know, it's it's truly all hands on deck, so to say. But still in all, you have to be able to think down the road because, you know, you're you're playing in a desperation mode right off the bat because you don't have a room for error. And not
0: even so much just if you can get hot. I mean, you saw the Phillies last year. They took advantage of an injured Cardinal pitcher. Ryan Helsley couldn't get out in that last inning. The hand in that second inning came back and bit him. And once the Phillies came, I mean, the Cardinals had all the momentum in that game after the Juan Yepes home run. Once Ryan Helsley gave it up that the nine innings the next day, you could just tell that was a flat team
1: that wasn't going to come out and win that game. I I agree with you. Uh, Here's the other thing that comes to the play here. These series, if you don't have experience in your clubhouse and on your bench, it's really hard to get anything done. Now the Cardinals had Pujols and Molina. They had a little bit more experience than what the Phillies had to offer. But overall, when you have certain guys in key situations, and let's face it, Aronado and Goldschmidt didn't get it done uh, because they had two games to do it, and it just didn't work. And, yeah. and again, you have to be careful, uh, you, you know, because you're playing with such a short deck. You have to be able to step up and do something early in these games. If you wait around, this thing will pass you by. The uh, the
0: teams with the buys the Atlanta uh, Atlanta Braves, LA Dodgers, and the National League side of things. Baltimore's had theirs wrapped up for a while now. They ran away. With, uh, with that uh, compared, I mean, the Rays were the closest team to them. Houston wins the uh, AL West and wins that second bye on the last day of the season. Um, any of these teams that are playing Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, any of them you see as a threat to any
1: of those four teams that have a bye? Well, good question. I don't think so, but here's what I would say to that the teams that are playing early are already in playoff mode. They were in playoff mode before the playoffs started because they had to get in late in the season. Uh, So you have to be careful of them. Uh, I'm I'm really concerned about those teams who have that time off. Now, the the key here is, you know, Dusty's been through this before. Uh, Brandon, uh, the Baltimore Orioles haven't. So they're going to come up with congenial ways to make this, uh, you know, attractive leading up to the series start. But I think overall, you know, Houston's a team, hey, they defended world champions for a reason. And, you know, if you give them just a little slack, man, they could take advantage of this thing and find themselves playing in the World Series again. Yeah. Dodgers and – I mean, the Dodgers and
0: Braves haven't played a meaningful game, it seems like, in months. Yeah. Now, this year. So, I haven't seen the Dodgers. But they who... remain
1: consistent. Though. They have. That's the one thing that I give them credit for, uh, especially the Braves who had a lot of guys who played a lot of baseball. And maybe the time off could help. Uh, But those are guys who want to play every day. And so that series, you know, for the Braves, it it could be a plus for them. Uh, And I think it could be for the Dodgers, you know, because here's the thing. Both of those teams are trying to figure out who's going to pitch. Yeah. I mean, they had so many injuries along the way. I I really look at them saying, all right, we're going to get some rest and we're going to have to sit down and figure out who can match up against who. And maybe that's how they approach it. Yeah, those games start again tomorrow, two o'clock.
0: Um, ABC will have the Rangers and Rays games. The other ones will all be on ESPN this week. Uh, we oh, um, I did want to get this to uh, baseball related notes for the show today. Uh, Tim Wakefield passes away yesterday at the age of fifty-seven. Uh, do you ever have any any run-ins, any encounters Bruce with a knuckleballer?
1: Uh, I knew, I knew when he was with Pittsburgh, and you know, we talked maybe a couple times. A very delightful person, from what I recall. Uh yeah, that was unfortunate. And I think was even more unfortunate is the fact that Kurt Schilling had to break the news when he wasn't supposed to about his his illness and how how sick he was. Uh I know he caught a lot of heat for that as well, but uh sorely missed for sure. Uh, he was a guy that everybody seemed to like. And uh, you know, that's that's the one sad thing about this cancer, man. Uh, as much money as we put into it, we just can't figure out a way to solve it and we we lose another good person because of it.
0: Just one of, I mean, when you look back at what he did back, we've, we haven't we have seen a, a knuckleballer like him.
1: No, since. you're right.
0: There, you, there might be one that pops up every now and then. R.A. Dickey had a knuckleball that was a little, that was different than the one Wakefield threw. But it goes to show you just how incredible it was that he did what he did for so long. Because everybody still today, Claves, I'm 38 years old. When I go out there and play catch with 13 and 14 year olds, I still will try to just throw a knuckleball. and it's it's not easy you might get one out of 20 times where that ball doesn't move at all and yet he was out there just doing it pitch after pitch after pitch so consistently in his career it's it really is amazing
1: well I think for him and for any knuckleballer you have to believe in it It, it's just like throwing split finger fastball it's probably not going to be a strike but it's going to be so tempting that you swing at it and I think with the knuckleball it can befuddle you so much uh, but you know The only way you can get away with it is you have to believe in it and you have to keep throwing it. This is not a pitch you throw every fifth pitch. You just keep throwing it up there. And they're going to hit it from time to time. But the ones who don't, they're messed up for a week. I remember George Hendrick when he played for the Cardinals and and he would not like to face uh, uh, Joe Necro uh, with the Braves because he'd be messed up for two or three days after that. So after a while, Whitey wouldn't play him against Necro. And the the big factor in the 82 World Series – uh, Necro was, was scheduled to pitch in the game started and They rained the game out and Me- Necro missed the start. And that might've been the difference in the series because Hendrick was able to play and he was pretty effective from that point on
0: the, uh, I just remember. And one of the other things about Wakefield, I remember too, um, what was it? When Doug Mirabelli was his personal catcher, Doug Mirabelli, they, yeah. they didn't put Jason Veritek back there when he pitched, it was Doug Mirabelli. They let Doug Mirabelli walk. And the two, after the 2005 season, they, he, they let him walk. He went and signed with the Padres after about one or two games. They realized how difficult it was to catch that, and they had to go back and trade for him and bring him I back mean, again. I
1: mean, Mirabelli's glove was the size of a peach basket. It, <laughs> you know, it, it, that was the funny thing about it. it As Bob Uecker used to say, the best way he would catch a knuckleball is he'd just wait for it to stop rolling and then pick it up because he couldn't <laughs> catch it. I mean, it, it was a very difficult pitch, and there's different ways you throw it. Uh, but where well, Wakefield had a lot of success with it. Tom Candiati. Candiati is another guy who comes to mind. And I'm amazed that we don't have more young pitchers going to the Candiati and some of the other guys in the game to ask them how you throw it. I mean, hey, listen, you can stay in this league a long time with a pitch like that. What is uh, Who is the best that you have seen in, in a Cardinal uniform?
0: And it could be position players, too, because I know you always hear stories about position players who have good knuckleballs. Who is the best that you have ever seen in a Cardinal uniform just playing catch and throwing the knuckleball around? Boy, that's a
1: good question. Uh, no one really comes to mind as we speak. We may have caught a guy late in his career who may have thrown it, but nobody stands out to me. Rammer would probably have a better idea who had a good one uh nobody just jumps out at me and says, oh yeah we got to put him in a rotation every <laughs> fifth day we, we didn't have that sort of guy
0: hey this is the and Illinois lunch show powered by gray driven by ass st louis acura and Clabes. also brought to you by our friends at the painting and decorating foundation if you can't throw a knuckleball they got another career uh, that you can uh, look into
1: they have several careers you can look into and in this day and age of college educations uh, we're seeing a lot more people go the vocation route and the painting and decorated council of St. Louis has so many different opportunities to offer. All you have to do is go online and check them out or give them a call. And you'll see why so many young people have decided to forego college, military and other things where they can actually get their hands on something that they can have for the rest of their lives. And, and you see a lot of people, they'll do an apprenticeship somewhere, learn the business. And then all of a sudden, maybe when they come up and start in their own business, But for those parents out there and your kids talking about, I'm not sure what I want to go to college, whether I I want to go to college or not, or I don't know what I'm going to do when I get to college, you might want to have them get familiar with the Painting and Decorating Council and all the activities that they provide and all the skills that they provide. Uh, It's a workmanlike program. You're going to be certified in multiple fields. It's something that I think parents should probably present to their youngsters as far as an option when they turn 18 on what they want to do next with their lives after they graduate from high school. We will be uh, back in
0: just a bit here on the Amarillo and Allen show. I just saw umpire, uh, uh, umpire assignments just came out for the wild oh boy. rounds. Uh, Angel Hernandez did not get a job. Yeah, what, what a surprise. Of this. I just, I, I just wanted to put it out there. I know people were wondering if you'd get one or not. I Angel don't think Hernandez- there's a chance
1: in hell. <laughs> Angel Hernandez. Well, first of all, he's been hurt half the year. second of all he's very not very good now now i say this in this manner angel hernandez is one of the nicest umpires i've ever been around angel hernandez is one of the worst umpires i've ever been around as far as calling the game uh and it's unfortunate because he is a very likable person but man uh he he's not been very good this year and you know I, i was watching some football recently And I was trying to figure out who has been worse this year so far, because I've seen some bad umpiring and I've seen some good umpiring from a lot of young guys, but there's this middle tier of umpires that are progressively getting worse. And I know that they like to say, well, the box at home isn't what we're judged by Then What they should do is make sure you can show us the box that you're being judged by. And maybe we'll have a better opinion of you, but there's a lot of strikes that we're missing. Uh, The replay has worked. The, the umpires on the bases, they, they get it right a lot of times. So I don't really have a problem with that. But the balls and strikes situation has become just so glaring uh, that they have to do something about it. And, and I don't know how they do it between now and next year. I hope that's one of the first and foremost things uh, Mike Hill decides to get, get on top of. He runs the umpires to make sure they can be more efficient or at least be judged for from not just a player standpoint, but where the fans can also see – how good of a job they do or how bad of a job they do. Hey, we will be back. We're going to talk a little football. Haven't gotten to that yet, and we will do
0: so coming up next on the Ameren Illinois Lunch Show, powered by Graybar, driven by Munginass St. Louis Acura. Let me get this straight. Graybar is a distributor? Yep. For more than 150 years, we supported electrical and datacom projects all over the country. So you can get me products wherever and whenever I need them? Yep. Thanks to our expansive National Logistics Network. For any industry? Yep. From construction sites and industrial plants to schools, hospitals, and just about everything in between. So you could say Graybar is much more than a distributor. Yep. You could say that. Hmm. They really do it all. Yep. When you need a hand powering, connecting, or maintaining your operations, join the thousands of professionals who rely on Graybar to help keep them up and running. Yep. Graybar does that. Back here talking a little football now here on the Ameren Illinois Lunch Show with Claves and Joe, powered by Graybar, driven by Munginass St. Louis Acura. And don't forget about our friends out at Munganass Burkhart, Alton Toyota at 850 Homer Adams Parkway. All kinds of brand new 2024s out there on the, uh, on the lot and the showroom floor, Claves. Uh, that Jamie is out there making deals on and uh, not just those new Toyotas but all kinds of makes and models that they get in in trades each and every day out at Munganass.
1: They may have one of the largest trade uh, inventories of anyone in town. I mean, they, they get them from everywhere. And, you know, they're pre-owned, but obviously they go through a, a very rigorous inspection by the folks at Munganass Burkhardt Toyota before they even put it on the lot to be sold. So, Uh, If you're looking around, this would be a good time. Uh, With this strike going on with the UAW, uh, you know, cars are going to be even harder to come by of any sort, but they have a great variety, and I would suggest you start with them and you probably end up with them at Burkhart Munganaz Toyota over in Alton, Illinois. And
0: hockey season's right around the corner too, so you see Jamie ask him uh, his thoughts on the Blues this uh, this upcoming season. Yeah, huge, huge hockey fan. Yeah,
1: and you know what? I got to tell you something, and and that's something I was starting on today because no one I've talked to can tell me how they feel about the Blues. I mean, this is a team that really has a lot of head scratching. It's going to take place uh, about a lot of different things, uh, and this is going to be a, a season where y- you just don't know where it's going to come from. My I I would say it kind of all
0: comes and goes with Jordan Bennington, right? Because that was was a big question mark last year. He's one of
1: the guys that's still here this year, and it kind of all flows through him, right? Well, I think it also flows through the people who play in front of him as well. Uh, You know, you have to be a little bit more consistent on your blue line uh, and and have a little bit more of a physical presence. Uh, Your your four lines have to be a little bit more physical as well. Uh, I don't know where that's going to come from. I mean, they brought in a guy named Nick Ritchie who was supposed to provide maybe a little bit more of a physical presence and and, and was willing to drop the gloves, and they already released them. So I'm just not sure what the makeup of this team is going to look like because the Blues, quite honestly, got pushed around a lot last year, and that's not necessarily the St. Louis Blues moniker, but uh, the game has changed. Uh, We're going to have to wait and see, and we really may not know what this team is until December.
0: Klaibs, uh this weekend uh, the uh, the big sports story right now are the Mizzou Tigers, number twenty one, five and zero to uh, to start the year. They have LSU coming to Columbia this week. LSU coming off a loss uh, to Ole Miss in one of the most exciting games from this uh, this past weekend. LSU still a six and a half point favorite on the on the road. Our first time uh, to see uh, Brian Kelly as uh, here in Columbia.
1: Should be a very entertaining game. Um, Mizzou obviously is playing well, and I think it's easy for people to question, Well, what do you expect? Look at who they play. Uh, and I get that. Uh, and, and that's the price you pay for having what I would deem a soft schedule. Now, you have five wins, you're one game away from being bowl eligible already, which is something that we haven't talked a great deal about with Mizzou over the last few years. But when you're when it's all said and done, uh, it's a good step in the right direction. But now the game's gonna get tougher. Now we're going to see what this team is truly made of. And uh, I I think LSU is the prime test. Now, last time LSU was here, they were the the reigning national champions. Now, obviously, that that team lost some players along the way. But uh, LSU can put some points on the board. They they are very athletic. They've got a big arm quarterback. So this will be a good test for Missouri. Uh, It's already sold out. This will be a hard ticket to get. And uh, I I guess at this point, I guess we would say it's about time. So I'm, I'm wishing them nothing but the best. Keep everybody healthy going into the weekend, and uh, let's just let it rip. Sam Horn, uh, I'm sorry, Brady Cook,
0: uh, 75% passer completion rating so far, 11 touchdowns, no interceptions. Um, I, not not much you can do to nitpick his play so far in these uh, these first five games, regardless of who the opponent is.
1: Well, you know what he's done, and, and good for him that he's taken advantage of the opponents he's faced. Now, I'm of the belief that he'll see some different coverages. They'll they'll try and mix it up a little bit. And, and kudos to Missouri uh, for for not showing everything in their playbook early. I'm almost certain that LSU is going to see some things that haven't been on tape yet. Uh, and that's how I think you're going to have to jump up and surprise some people. Uh, they made Brady Cook. and I think one of the things about Brady Cook, they've done a better job of protection uh, you know, they've some coverages that he's been able to sift through. He's gone through his progressions reasonably well. So overall, I, I like what we see. I, I think Brady cook, as long as he's at Missouri will still have to prove himself because there will always be doubters about who Brady cook is. And I, and I think it also says something about Sam horn, who we thought was the second coming. If you listen to some, he can't even get on the field. Mm-hmm. So, Either either Brady Brady Cook was underestimated, or Sam Horn was overestimated as far as his his skill sets concerned.
0: Was there anything else from this weekend, college football wise, that really jumped out at you?
1: Uh I know yeah, you've had more than enough time to sit on yeah, the couch and watch games what? this weekend. <laughs> you know, I, I think we're seeing what, what the problems going to be with Colorado. They're just not big enough up front, uh, and as good as Shador Sanders has been. The one thing, the one knock, it's easy. He holds on to it much too long and relies on his legs to get him out of jams. Uh, We're starting to see better teams play each other, and I think that's good for college football. Uh, So I I think we're going to start to see the best of the best of the game start to really unfold. Uh, Georgia got scared against Auburn, so I, I don't think there's a dominant team out there right now. And anybody from the Big Ten, I'm, I'm not sold on anybody from there, even though Ohio State and Notre Dame played each other. I don't know how good Notre Dame is at this point. So uh, each week is going to get better. Uh, it's going to lead into a very interesting uh, playoff situation as far as those teams that are going to be ranked when the playoff situation starts, uh, as far as when the rankings, the real rankings actually take place. The uh, And then the NFL on Sunday. First off, I, I... – I apologize that
0: we didn't have a show last week because, Claves, I've been waiting about eight days now to ask you your thoughts on Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. I don't have an opinion. I could care less.
1: (laughs) I really don't. I mean, unless Taylor Swift can block or tackle, I don't really care. I don't care. I mean, that's their personal business. Uh, obviously the networks are enamored with it, but I, don't, I haven't I don't seen
0: think. the ratings yet for last night's game to see just how uh, how many people tuned in for that. I'll see if I can dig that up um, while, while we're talking about this. But that game, let's start with the Sunday night game. It was such a weird game because it was. you saw the Chiefs off to such a great start there. It seemed like they weren't going to be stopped. It seemed like it was going to be a blowout similar to the Dolphins-Broncos game the week before. And then all of a sudden the Jets defense stepped up and didn't allow a single point until that winning field goal in the fourth quarter.
1: So well, the Jets defense is legit. Yeah. Now here, here's a problem that I'm seeing with the NFL. This officiating is, is getting worse. I mean, there are so many obvious plays that are not being called. Uh, you know, the pass interference, the offensive holding. Uh, here's one that I'm waiting on somebody to tell me why doesn't when you see the line set, the offensive line set. And the and the offensive guard throws his hand out. He points, trying to draw that guy offside. When are they gonna start calling that? Because you're supposed to be set and still as an interior lineman. They never call it. So I, I just I'm, I'm really disappointed in the NFL and how they officiate. And and they know what pass interference looks like. They know what holding is supposed to be. I mean, they made it easier to call compared to years past. And I just think that the officiating is getting worse. And I don't blame uh, Salah last night of uh, just losing his mind over some blown calls uh, in a very critical and pivotal game. Uh, they they had to fix this, man. And, you know, if you're a better, th- this is what drives a better crazy, the, the calls that aren't being made. Uh, and, and I don't know how they fix that in season. But, but it's something we go through every year. Mm-hmm. Every year, it's the same thing, and it's not one guy. Remember, these are crews, okay? I know it, the the referee's name is the one you always remember because he's making the call on the PA system. But we said we had to start looking at these back judges and and some of these line judges as far as what in the hell are they watching when we see it firsthand.
0: Yeah. The um, outside of that, uh, I, I don't know if you had a chance, so I'm, I'm guessing you didn't watch this broadcast, but early in the morning yesterday, you had the, uh, you had the London game, first London game of the season. It was Falcons and Jaguars and Klaibs. I don't know if you saw, but on Disney plus yesterday, they had a um, a, a special broadcast geared towards kids, a, that was kind of like you were watching the cast of Toy Story, play the game. So whatever they do with the Nickelodeon game, how they put chips on the guy's helmets or whatever they do, they had it all to where it was computer generated. And if you watched a highlighted, if you watched the two games side by side, there were some glitches, but pretty much everything was moving exactly the same way it was on both screens. It was a technologically just amazing to see. And I could tell you that my kid was... Like, that was the most he's paid attention to an NFL game so far this year. Same with the Nickelodeon games. And I, I believe the Super Bowl might be on Nickelodeon it this is. year, too. Yeah. yeah. So it's just, it's a fun way of them getting kids involved and kind of trying to grow the audience and, help kind of grow the game along with uh you know Madden and video games and everything else. Yeah, it's, it's, kudos it's a, to the NFL. Yeah, it is. I it mean, was a it's, it's a really it's cool nice broadcast. Discussion. If you have a chance to go catch any of the highlights of it. If you type in Toy Story NFL, it's gonna be all over the place. But outside of that, Claybs, we are four weeks into the season. We have two undefeated teams left in the NFL, the 49ers and the Eagles, the only two teams without a, uh, without a loss yet on the year 49ers, I would say far above uh, everybody else, number one in the power rankings, but the Eagles just going out there and picking up victories starting off four and
1: well, let's go back to the, the, the youth direction. You know, I think this is great as far as exposure for football, but there's not a chance in hell. I let my son play football. Uh, with all the information that we now have about how dangerous it can be to get them started at this age, is uh, something I get. And, and let's face it, 99.9% of the kids who watch the games at this age aren't going to play football, let alone play in the NFL. So I get that.
0: Claves, that's huge uh, sports. Claves, well. I watched. I, we we had a tournament this weekend. I watched 10-year-olds throwing curveballs this weekend at a at a baseball tournament in October.
1: Well, but you know what? But the, the parents are the problem.
0: That's what I'm saying. That's right. what it is. Anybody, that, if you're putting, yeah, if you're putting your eight, nine-year-old in football now with this, like, you know, flag football. Okay, do that. Teach them the game. But any kind of tackling and contact stuff, it's just not necessary.
1: Are uh, you preaching to to the choir? Oh, right I know.
0: <laughs> I, yeah, just, I, I'm uh, well aware of I, it. I, I yeah. get it.
1: Now, your other point was uh, –
0: just to, I, I, No, just how good the 49ers are well, compared but, to yeah. – Well, but here's
1: something I would say to that. Um, as you mentioned, there's only two teams left that are undefeated. You know why? Because nobody knows who they are yet. Now we're starting to see some distance between the good teams and the not-so-good teams. We're starting to see some distance between the teams that haven't dealt with a serious injury yet that are still trying to find their way compared to teams who have been decimated by injuries and their season is practically over. We also have a situation of what teams are now saying to themselves, all right, are we really good enough to compete, or are we going to tank and try and get ourselves a good draft choice for next year? Now, the problem they have with that, certain teams have reputations of being crappy as far as their front office is concerned, and because of the NIL money, those guys who thought about coming out early might say, you know what, I might want to sit this one out and and hopefully get drafted by somebody else the following year because there's a lot of money out there right now. So there's a lot of things that are going on. And that's why I, I told you earlier, I don't really follow standings and records until we get to the middle of October for this very reason, because we don't know who these teams are. They didn't practice enough. They don't play enough in the exhibition season. They're still trying to figure out who can block and who can tackle. And by the way, quarterbacking in this league has certainly changed a great deal as well. So there's a lot of reasons on why you can't get too sucked into rankings and things of being able to truly assess teams because you just don't know
0: One, uh, you know, you mentioned four weeks in, we know who these teams are now. So if that's the case, can, do you have any kind of grasp on who the Miami dolphins are? Right now, I think they're better than what we
1: saw yesterday because they got off to a hot start yesterday. Uh, I, I thought Sean uh, McDermott, uh, his defensive game plan was just outstanding. He took away some things from Tua, uh, even with a guy who rushed for over 100 yards. I mean, I, I still think Miami has as, co- as a complete of an offense as any team in the National Football League because they do have a running game. But, you know, Buffalo took away some things. Uh, it's a learning process. They're not as bad. Miami isn't as bad as what we saw yesterday. And Buffalo isn't as good as what we saw yesterday. But it was a very entertaining game though.
0: Tonight you get the Seahawks and the Giants. That game second, second time this year that the NFL has done Sunday night football and Monday night football at MetLife stadium. Um, and so back-to-back games, I know there was rain in the forecast when Aaron Rodgers hurt himself in that first game, but I know there were some issues with the, uh, the field out there being, well, it's, on a field. Yeah. it's a terrible way. Yeah,
1: terrible field. First of all, even though they're playing on field turf, it's, it's a terrible setup as far as the field's concerned. And you and I've talked about how, uh, the, these players have to say, Hey, look, enough is enough. Uh, we don't care what it costs, put in, you know, like they have in Arizona, they have a tray, they roll the tray, the field in, and they roll it back out. Maybe teams have to start thinking along that line. Now, obviously, every team from a, a logistics standpoint couldn't do that, but there's got to be a better way than putting this, this field turf out. And and the other things that come with it, the staff infections and, and the other issues that come with this ground-up tire rub that these players are playing on, it, it just doesn't work. Uh, the league will tell you different. And the players are too dumb to, to step up and say enough is enough. They should have had that as part of their, their, their last uh, collective bargaining agreement, but they didn't. They thought it was more important to get an extra game on a schedule that they probably couldn't play anyway. So, you know, the, the Players Association has some major issues. And what its direction should look like compared to just saying, "Well, why should we worry? Every player is just nothing more than a control number. He's a guy who contributes dues to the association, whether he has a year in or ten years in. It's just a number, and that's not right." The uh, yeah, we will uh, we'll. Um... Yeah, see how that goes
0: this evening. I want to get into the Damian Lillard trade, but before we do that, claims, uh just a quick word about our friends at Fast Eddie's Air in Alton, Illinois. All the football games, all the baseball playoff games, all the peel and shrimp that you could possibly want available right down there in Alton, Illinois. They got
1: everything you're looking for, whether it's a Saturday or a Saturday for football, a Sunday for football. Maybe it's Friday night, date night. They've got something for you every night, including live entertainment. You mentioned the peel and eat shrimp. That's renowned. The Fat Eddie burgers. You can't find them anywhere better around the St. Louis area and just the overall environment. It is truly a traditional place to hang out. And if you haven't been there, you ought to put it on your list of things to do because of all the reasons we just mentioned. And you'd be surprised who shows up there. Maybe it's family, friends, whomever. Uh, It's a good place to be any day of the week or night. Don't forget, we see a lot of seniors that show up over there, and that's their, their their rallying point for lunch on a regular basis. So there's so many reasons to go. And if you haven't been there yet, it's your fault because you're missing out on a great time because you haven't been to Fast Eddie's Air in Alton, Illinois. Speaking of Friday
0: night date night, Claves, if you're looking for something to do this Friday, uh, WWE SmackDown is at the Enterprise Center uh, on October 6th, and we have tickets to give away. So, Claves, I got I got a ticket for you if you want it, but if uh, anybody else wants it, I'm pair, on the men. Hey, I won't be able to go. Okay. I That's that's too bad. We'll get you next time around. Uh, tweet at me. Hey, at Joe Roderick, tweet at me that you want the tickets. I'll get you all set up for this Friday night. It's a uh, SmackDown John Cena will be there at the Enterprise Center, possibly the last time that you'll have a chance to see John Cena in at WWE he's ring here in St. In Louis. The, what,
1: what's the one movie he did? Marine? I see that movie like every other week on, on he's done. A, he's
0: done a few movies. He's uh, in the Fast and the Furious movies. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he's done a couple now. That's why he's not around in the ring so much anymore. I don't blame doing him. All he probably the, doesn't uh, hurt as much. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Claves, I do want to end. I want to talk NBA. Damian Lillard gets traded this uh, over the weekend to the Milwaukee Bucks. A uh, bit of a shocker, as I think a lot of people thought that he was going to end up going to the uh, the Heat. I think Lillard wanted to go to the Heat, but in the end, um, the final Lillard goes uh, Portland. Gets DeAndre Ayton, Robert Williams, Malcolm Brogdon, uh, Tumani Kamara, and three first round picks. Golden State. Then, uh, then, uh, yeah, the Golden State pick a. Then a Bucks pick and a Celtics pick, and then swapping picks later on for uh, for for that. Uh, Milwaukee they get Damian Lillard. The Suns got involved in this. Um, what the the Celtics get involved in this? Yeah. The Celtics get Drew Holiday out of this uh, out of this whole thing. So many moving parts. Just because one superstar goes from Port- Portland to Milwaukee.
1: Yeah, you know, and and the unfortunate thing is those first round picks you mentioned are all by teams that are going to probably be either in the conference finals or in the NBA finals. So those draft picks are basically second round picks. Those are 2009
0: draft picks. though. the, the bucks and the the Celtics one are 2009. So those are six years away.
1: Yeah. But still in all, I I think those teams will be able to maintain. Now they could fall on their face because of the salary cap, but man, that's just so far out. Uh, It's a roll of the dice. And it just kind of tells you how some teams don't value draft choices. Uh, I think we have to wait on this deal to see how it really pans out, because as you mentioned, there's a lot of moving parts. Um, I don't know who really helps themselves immediately other than Boston does. But, you know, I think Boston's still a little short on talent coming off the bench. So I would just say stay tuned on, on how these teams fare for the next, let's say, three months of the season. Giannis and Damian Lillard,
0: how will those two uh, work together?
1: it would be interesting because I still think you need another alternate way to score. We need a guy to pick up some some loose change. And, and maybe that's Middleton if he can stay healthy. Lopez has been a really good player for them up front. Uh, Lillard is a guy who has, has to have the ball in his hands. Uh, the incredible range that he has makes him certainly a weapon. So I, I think uh, we'll sit back and see how often Milwaukee scores. They certainly moved to the front of the class in the division, uh, certainly in the conference. I think them and Boston are two teams you have to pay attention to. Philadelphia didn't help themselves at all the offseason, and Miami just got a little older. So, you know, it could be a two-team race as far as the Eastern Conference is concerned.
0: What if, uh, one of the things I like to always address with you, uh and it's NBA-related uh, today, is uh, anything in the world of fashion. I don't know if you saw Jimmy Butler earlier today in a press conference no. for the Miami Heat. No, I don't know. Um, that this is not a wig this is this is not a wig this is jimmy butler's hair uh full karen mode claves uh, uh emo karen I, I don't know how you would describe this
1: uh unfortunate <laughs> that's what i would describe it as now i'm follically challenged i can say that but you know it, i don't i don't get him where it's always about hey look at me and uh he's a phenomenal player but uh, what's he proving here I mean, is it, is it is this what the kids are doing these days? I guarantee you there will be kids now that think this is the way to go. And if that's what they want to do, so be it. It's their hair. I don't really care. Yeah, that's 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 a choice right there. With uh, <laughs> yeah,
0: a lot of choices going on on that one, claims that's going to wrap up our uh, show for today. I had a note on here on STL City SC, but, but we'll we'll save that for next week. Oh, well, it.
1: we'll they, get we, to them. they don't play. Wait a minute, the playoffs don't start for what three or four weeks? I don't know. They made something
0: called the Concafa. Championship oh, or something. I don't. They're going to be playing a bunch of other teams. So,
1: all right. Well, yeah. Non MLS teams.
0: We'll we'll get to that in our our MLS podcast on Claims Online. Um, right along there with all we got Howard Richards coming up this uh this week. You guys will talk about the big LSU Mizzou game. Uh, we got baseball previews for the wild card rounds this week on Claves Online, anything else that you are working on as you are holed up in your apartment?
1: Well, we're going to have a podcast with uh, Cedric the Entertainer that's going to uh, drop here fairly soon. Nice. And uh, we got a few other things we're going to talk about with regard to our hockey coverage. Hopefully we'll be able to make that announcement later in the week. But other than that, you know what? We have enough. Dr. Rick is back in the country, so we'll have some podcasts from him as well. So uh, we just invite everybody to stand by and stay tuned and check us out. The latest Dr. Rick podcast from this past weekend, I joined him and
0: Rammer. We were talking about recovery after a long race, after a long endurance race. Uh, the 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 one I did, the half Ironman, was six and a half hours of just constant movement. Yeah, I don't have that
1: kind of concentration yeah. to do anything uh, <laughs> for six and a half hours.
0: Yeah, no headphones either, too. So that's just a oh, lot I, of time I, with just you and your thoughts. No, I don't there. have that much
1: to think about.
0: Oof, the, the things you think about, that it, it'll yeah. get to you. But Good we luck. talked about recovery from that. Uh, that's available right now. If you find the Klabe's online, uh, go to uh, Klabe's online, wherever you find your podcast, and check that one out. That's going to do it for our show today. He is Mike Claiborne. I'm Joe Roderick. This has been the Ameren Illinois Lunch Show, powered by Amron and Graybar, and also driven by ass St. Louis Acura, right here on klabe'sonline.com. There's always been a bright side to living in downstate Illinois. Amron, Illinois is making it even brighter with a little help from the sun. Right now, we're building a next generation solar facility to bring you cleaner energy for generations to come. It's good for the environment, your neighborhood, and everyone living in downstate Illinois. That's brighter thinking. That's energy at work. Learn how you can participate in solar programs at amronillinois.com slash renewables.